0: Okay, I'm going to start off like this. I'm not going to use any props today. I'm not going to use props today, right? I know, I know, right? Why not? Because there's something on my heart that's so deep. I don't want to miss it. I I, I don't want to use anything except for what God wants to give to you. There is a personal message for you today that I have, and it is a pleasure to give it to you. Amen? Amen. Okay. I just want to um jump straight into this the the title of today's message is the awakened call. It's connected to the to um the, the message of the month the topic of the month with the awakened church. Now this is a really interesting topic and and it really got me thinking. I thought to myself, Lord, what do you have to say with you know last month we celebrated Easter we're coming up to to to, to Pentecost and I just thought to myself Lord, you give me something fresh. Give me something new. And this is it. I want everyone um, to follow me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 to 14. The word says this, but we should always thank God for you, brothers who are loved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning to be saved by the sanctification of the spirit and by faith in the truth. To this, he called you through our gospel so that you may share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we can read the Bible and, 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 and I can read it out and we go too fast, so and we're not actually digesting. So we're going to say it again. But we should always thank God for you, brothers, who are loved by the Lord. Brothers and sisters, we are loved by the Lord. Because God has chosen you from the beginning to be saved by the sanctification of the spirit. Pause. What's he talking about here? He's talking about the work has already been done. There is a sanctifying work that has been completed for you. And it's up to you to enjoy the work that has already been done. How can I put it like this? Imagine the Holy Spirit is a washing machine and you are a rag and you're dirty. Your purpose is to stay in the washing machine. Don't come out. If you're there, you can enjoy the sanctifying work of the Spirit so that you realize that you're not just being made clean in the time that we're functioning in but you have already prophetically from God's position have been made clean. To this, he called you through the gospel. Why do you believe? Why was a gospel message available for this work? For you to be part of the sanctifying work of the spirit, not your sanctifying work, The Spirit's sanctifying work. The only thing you do is choose to be consecrated. This doesn't happen by accident. You have to choose to say, you know what? I know Jesus and now mm -mm -mm, what I'm going to do now is get involved in what he's doing in my life. It's not enough just to have Jesus in your pocket. So what's today's aims? Today's aims is this. Why is the believer being awake important? Why is the church being awake important? What are the signs that you are awake? And how do you become awake? What does this even mean? We're going to be talking. So I spent a few days away a couple of weeks ago. And God said to me something so Amazing. He says, do you know amongst my other children, do you know that you realized the missing thing in your life was God's love for you? Think about this. You realized because you're born again, because you believe in Jesus, you realized one day the thing that is missing in my life isn't money, the thing that's missing in my life isn't having children. The thing that's missing in my life isn't about getting over the pain that I experienced when I was young. The thing that's missing in my life is the love of God. So when the gospel message was preached to you, you realize, well, that's it. That's it. That's, that's it. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for God's love. I realize in the love of God, if I receive that, I'm complete. Now, for some of you, you you realised that 20 years ago. For some of you, you realised it 30 years ago. But it's a realisation or it is a revelation that has to remain at the forefront of your mind. Think about this for a second. He knew, before you even came out of your mother's womb, he knew that one day you would realise what would complete you was him. Imagine that. The Bible talks about God being light. God is love. God is spirit. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, we, we know it, that he gave us his unique son to die. And we have to ask ourselves why. Why did he give us his unique son to die? This is why. Because John chapter one says that Jesus had the light and this light was the life for all mankind. The love of God in Jesus was for all of humanity. That love of God was the life of God itself. The resurrection. The resurrection is significant. Why? Because the Bible says, unless a grain of wheat shall fall upon the ground and die, it remains but a single grain with no life. But guess what? Jesus, the seed, the grain, died and germinated into his body of believers. That's why this resurrection life is so important. And what do you mean? I mean this. God is offering each and every one of us and your friends friends and families who don't know Jesus, he is offering a new life to function as a new creation in line with God's life and perfect and holy ways. He's not asking you to go to university to acquire this. He's trying to get you to realize that you have it already. Hmm. You have it already. Because you have it because you accepted him. The new creation cannot die. Your body is not who you are. Your body is what you have. When this God life is in operation, it's John 10.10. It is the abundant life. This is why he died. So you could live on this earth with the abundant life. Not your old life. Not the life you have come to grow and know. Not the life that has gone through all kinds of issues, a new life, a God-given life. He has given that to you. What is that life? It is a selfless life. It is empowered by his ways, his desires, his motivations, his compassions, his love, the principles of God. When that life, listen, when that life has been awakened in you, you enjoy God's way of living. You get to know him. You get to know and walk in the real you. And you reveal to the world, to your household, to your work colleagues, to the strangers on the road, that God is fully alive in you. We as believers have to go beyond thinking that eternal life is just about the destination of the believer. It has to be more than going to heaven. It is the lifestyle of the God of heaven and his will and ways being done and lived out through you. The life of God is in you. The life of God that is in you is God's love for you. And when that life is awakened in you, such believers will say something like this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 to 15. NLT translation. Listen to this. So when that awakened life is activated in you, you would say something like this. Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live For Christ, who died and was raised for them. In other words, you have freedom! Amen? Now let's be real. That freedom is not always walked in. If I had my family members sitting here, some may say, Andrew, that sounds great. When are we going to see it? Some who like me slightly more may say, you know what, I actually see that in this guy now and again. A believer who is awake will be revealing Christ, not their old lives. So I thought to myself, What's stopping us from showing this Christ life? Why is our old lives so familiar? Why is it, I'm not talking about this church, praise God, Katie's fantastic. I've been to churches in the past, all over the world and I can go into a church sometimes <clears throat> and I can sense no love. And when I smile at someone, they're like, wow, this guy smiled. We can do that in this place. And I thought to myself, why those who know Christ, those who are supposed to be full of joy, why sometimes are we full of sadness? Why sometimes, why sometimes are we not awake? So I thought, okay, this is definitely the teaching point today. Why are we not awake sometimes? And I I came to this conclusion. The Bible says that love fulfills the law. So think about this. You cannot sin and walk in love at the same time. Think about that. You can't sin and walk in love in the same time. And if you're walking in love, you're walking in the light. I'm now talking about 1 John chapter 1. I believe it's verse 6 and 7. If you can't sense, listen to this. Remember, love fulfills the law. Check this out. So why do we sin? If you can't sense God's abiding love, you will do things through the five senses to do something to feel a substitute for God's love. The Bible says to live by faith and not by sight. You can change that word sight and just make it senses. To live by faith and not by the natural senses. So I'm saying to you, the reason essentially why people sin is because they are not aware of the abiding presence of God's love for them. Now this abiding presence isn't some mystical random thing. This abiding presence allows you to have the awareness, the understanding for you to operate in a reality where you know not just because you were told that God loves me. This isn't, this goes beyond intellectual. This, the key word I wanted, I wanted to repeat is, this is a reality to you. So when you're not aware of God's love for you, do you know what essentially that means? You cannot in that moment truly be walking in your identity in Christ. If your identity in Christ is that you are a, the love of God, And you're not aware of God's loving, abiding presence, then you cannot walk in the reality of who He has called you to be. At best, the best you can do is be religious. At best. And the worst you can do as a believer is live completely recklessly. You know what's so funny about the church? If we see a religious person, mm, he looks good, she looks good, wonderful. But if we see the person who's clearly in sin, we look down. You know what's the common denominator to both people? They're both not walking in grace. The religious person is walking in their own self-righteousness, their own discipline, their own effort to do what they think is right the one who's on drugs who's having sex doing all of this stuff comes to church Mm, have you heard about this guy Mm -mm. and the irony is they're both walking without grace what is grace grace is God's unmerited favor it's more than just God's unmerited favor it's like a it's like God's empowering ability for you to do what you couldn't do without him you need grace by very definition and if you didn't need grace, then you could have done it all by yourself. And if you could have done it all by yourself, then why did he bother come in the first place? So this is why we sin. And it's so interesting that 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 to 7, it talks about walking in darkness. When you walk in darkness, not in the reality, the perceived reality of God's presence, in other words, by faith, you are walking in the natural. And when you're walking in the natural, in darkness, you are sin. Simply walking in the dark, simply being in the dark is sin. Why? Because you weren't bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ for you to remain in the darkness. He came to set the captives free, Amen. Isaiah 42 verse 7 says this. To open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. This verse is loaded. To open the blind eyes, to bring out of the prisoner, to bring out the prisoners from the prison. And listen to this. This is the funniest bit, because I think this bit's talking to Christians. Because we were like that, we had blind eyes, but now we see. Amen. But now look at the second bit. And them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. So check this out. You can be set free, but remain in the prison. Think about that. You've been set free, you've been given eyes to see, but you're still in darkness. You can't see anything, even though you have eyes to see. How does that make sense? Science will help us. If you have fully working eyes and there is no light and you're in complete darkness, though you have eyes that work, you cannot see a thing because there's no light. Now, 1 John chapter 1 talks about that light being fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So it's not enough just to know Jesus. It's not enough that in 1987 you gave your life to Christ. It's not enough that in 1992 you were initially filled by the Spirit. That wasn't enough because the Bible doesn't say be initially filled. The Bible says be continuously filled. Remain in the light. Be in his presence. And if you are in his presence, he will be present in your life. Now, this darkness is a big problem, guys. It's a big problem. Why? Because your perception of self, or in other words, your reality, or how the world says it, my truth, is distorted because you're in darkness. That darkness, not walking with God, essentially is a mental prison. You cannot perceive the way out if only you come to the light. If only you look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. If only. Or you can remain in darkness and live a life of condemnation and sin on repeat. Now, I know, I understand, I speak spiritually a lot. So let me bring this to the natural. Let's go into the Old Testament. Let's look at Exodus. The Israelites come out of Egypt. They were, in the, um, they were in the desert for how many years, guys? 40 years, good. 40 years, the majority of the Israelites were walking in darkness. Think about this. Have you ever thought... They experienced all the miracles in Egypt. God even splits the Red Sea. Can you imagine? If that happened, i will be talking about that every day. And then within months, they say, why have you taken us here? Take us back to Egypt. The same Egypt they were crying about leaving. You can take the man out of Egypt, but can you take the Egypt out of the man? You've been taken out of darkness. By definition, your nature has changed. You are now, by definition, a child of light. You are. But even though you are a child of light, you, child of light, can still decide to remain in darkness. Here's a rhetorical question to everyone. Why is part of my life still functioning in darkness. Praise God. I was reading Psalms 143 verse 11 and verse 11 and it says, Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake, for your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. That word revive, in some translations, is the word quicken. Essentially, it means make me Awake, quicken, awaken my soul. Okay, now I didn't have a a picture, but I need everyone to use their imagination. Imagine three circles, one circle, a circle outside of that circle, and a circle that um, puts the two circles together. Small circle, bigger circle, biggest circle. Everyone with me? The small circle is your spirit. Yeah. The the circle bigger than that is your soul and the circle biggest is your body. When you gave your life to Christ, that smallest circle spirit came in. The Bible calls it the indwelling of the spirit. You have it. It's okay. You're going to heaven. Hooray. But your purpose is not just to have that spirit, your purpose is for the soul, the second circle, to be filled with the reality of the spirit. Right? Why do we pray? Why do we wait on the Lord? This is why I want to, I want to, I want to teach you. The reason why, pray, you know, it's funny actually. Um, I think Psalms 80, verse 18, forgive me if I'm wrong, it says, quicken, quicken us, O Lord, so so we can call out your name. Whoa. Check this out. I'm saying until the spirit starts to fill your soul, you're not quickened. The moment it starts, it starts you're, you're quickened, you're awake. What I'm saying to you is this. Psalms 80 verse 18 says this. Until the reality of the spirit starts to permeate into my soul, I cannot in truth call out God's name. So that means a lot of your prayer has actually been... You in, with an, operating with an empty soul. The Bible will call that being dry or a hardened heart. Hmm. Wow. This is why waiting on God is so key. Pastor Scott spoke about it two weeks ago. Waiting on God is not a joke. If you don't wait on God, in fact, I would say you have to wait on God in order to start praying. The Bible says, Isaiah 40, 31, those, they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Let's go back to that circle. I want you to start seeing this when you're reading your Bible for yourself. The thing that he's talking about, right? Being strengthened is the second circle, the soul. How will it be strengthened? By the spirit starting to fill it. So when I wait on God, I just get in my word. I'm thanking him for the goodness of the gospel. What's happening is I'm just waiting The prayer at that moment is simply a monologue. A monologue is one way, but there's a moment. There is a moment. We don't know when the moment's gonna be, but there is a moment. And when that moment happens, faith starts. You begin to be awake. You begin to perceive the presence of God. You begin to perceive God's communication to you. The monologue changes changes into a dialogue. And then you find out and tell your friends, "Guess what? I heard from God." So sad that I don't hear that many Christians talk about that. Hmm. Being awakened. Spiritually is so key. It's what we're called to do. So many people, we, 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 uh, you know, you can ask someone, uh, uh, how you been? And they're, they're not good. They're feeling miserable. They're feeling frustrated. God hasn't come through. They've been coming to church. They go to cell. They do all of those things and they feel horrible inside. And guess what they say to you? I'm feeling blessed and highly favoured. Yeah, I'm feeling blessed and highly favoured. And it's only if you really knew them, you tap them and say you're lying. Now the principle why they say it is based on Job 22 verse 28, where it says, decree a thing and it shall be established. But you can't decree a thing if you're not standing on the thing that you're supposed to have trust in so that what you say will be established. Faith changes everything. People say all kinds of things. And there are so many Christians who are asleep. How do you know if you're asleep? Check this out. Look at your behavior. Look at how often you criticize people. Look at how much unforgiveness you have in your life. How judgmental are you? And the judgmentalism that is designed to critique and pull someone down? How often do you do that? How often do you complain? How often do you feel hopeless? Galatians 5:19 to 21 talks about the works of the flesh. Read it when you have time. How many of those things are in operation in your life right now? How many of you lack love and compassion? How many of you lack heavenly thinking? Your attitude is it bad? An attitude is a settled way of thinking about something, a person, or a situation. So a bad attitude, a bad way of a settled bad way of thinking about a person, situation, or something, reveals you have bad understanding about that thing. And if you have bad understanding about that thing, you have a bad belief. There is something you believe that is incorrect. And it's showing up in your talk. It's showing up in your emotions. It's showing up in you're trying to walk with the Lord and after a week it breaks down again. It's a cycle. There's something that you believe that is wrong. Or maybe you're still believing the old. Maybe you're still believing I am who I am based on my experiences. No. If that's you, let me bring a word of deliverance. You're not who you are based on what you've experienced. You are who you are based on Jesus' experience. Hmm. You have to remind yourself, brothers and sisters, that you are in Christ. Don't be so so quick to just say yes I'm I'm blessed and highly favoured no you're doing yourself an injustice why? because those thoughts and feelings are real and you have to bring those thoughts and feelings to the obedience of Christ so don't just declare it Find out how you think and challenge it with the word of God. I think this way because she said that. I feel this way because he didn't do that. Okay, this is how I think and I'm feeling right now. However, that being said, though I feel this way, I know God's word says A, B, C. I remember that Jesus set me free. And because of this reality, I am changed. So, I'm not going to feel that way anymore. I'm not going to think that way anymore because my words aren't going to be Lord over my life. I want to have God's word be my Lord. You have to fast for this. And if you don't fast for this, do you know what? You're going to be yet another Christian who's asleep. Let me just fast forward this to the end. When Christians wake up, to wake up essentially means to walk by faith. That's what it means in short, guys. To walk by faith. When a Christian wakes up, you are the devil's worst nightmare. Why? Because the Bible says, if the devil knew that Jesus would do what he'd done, they never would have crucified him. Okay, so let's let's bring this to us right now because he died, because he raised again, because you believe, there's another Jesus there, 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 there. He's everywhere. The Bible says that he done so many things, there wasn't even enough books to fill it up. Now, the last time I checked, Google said that there was 2.8 billion Christians. What would happen what would happen if 2.8 billion Christians woke up? That's the alarm. That's not just an alarm to say it's over. I want to worship the the welcome team, the worship team. That is an alarm for you to wake up. Don't allow life to go by. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't be um, over consumed by what people think about you. Don't worry that you haven't got as much money as your friend from school. Don't worry about these things. Put your attention, your focus, and make better use with your time by opening up the Word of God and finding out just how good this God is. And don't just do it on Sunday. Don't leave here thinking, Ah, that Pastor Andrew he gave me a word, I'm ready. And then it dies tomorrow. Remind yourself in this moment of clarity, take this opportunity to live for him. Surrender all, die to self today, die to self tomorrow and pick up your cross and realise that the cross isn't burden. Realise that that cross is actually a tool of freedom. And then you will realise in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, four to eight, you will realize, I want everyone just to read it in their own time. Each time you see the word love, replace that word with your name. 1 Corinthians 13 verse four to eight is a prophetic description of how God sees you and how you operate with people. When you read it, you'll be surprised. That's who you really are. You're not the old man. He, she died on the cross. You're a new creation. And if you want to know how exceptional you are, don't just be happy just to hear a sermon. Experience it for yourself. Amen? Hallelujah.